pray that we would remember that uh, as we had the opportunity this Christmas season to be with family and friends and rejoicing in the fact that you are with us. And because of that, we can worship you. We thank you that we're able to gather today. I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts for what you have for us today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, please take a few moments and greet those around you. Well, good morning and welcome to our worship service here at Maranatha. We're glad you're here, whether you're a visitor or a regular attender. We are glad that you are with us, um, that we uh, can come together and worship our King. Uh, there's just a couple announcements that we want to let you know about. First of all is, again, there's no Sunday school uh, for kids until the 16th. We will resume that again. Um, many people will be out of town next weekend at our district, district conferences with our youth. Uh, so we'll give them that time away, and Sunday school will resume the 16th. Also, uh, Awana will resume on Wednesday, but it will not be here. It will be at Moon Lake Park um, with hot cocoa and cookies and a good time sledding out there. Uh, you can park um, where you normally park for the, for the playground in that lot there, and you can walk out to the hill. We'll be out there waiting for you for a good time. That's at a regular time of 6 to 7.30. Also, just another note, our women's studies are resuming. Uh, Mary Holmes' study is resuming this week on the 4th. And uh, even if you haven't been a part of that before, you are welcome to start in. Mary will get you caught up to speed super fast. And uh, that's a good time of uh, engaging in who God is and who the Holy Spirit is and his role in our lives. And also, uh, there is a study being led by Amber Cargus that will start January 11th, and there is a sign-up for that uh, at the welcome desk with more information for you. Also, lastly, um, we do, every Christmas, we um, do a, uh, just as a way to remember loved ones or uh, people special to us, um, we do our poinsettias every year, and if you purchased one, uh, you can go ahead and take that home. Um, and uh, we will, as we will be changing up uh, the decor around here because it's kind of early to decorate for Christmas. Um, and now I invite Pastor Cody to come up and share the word with us. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Cody. I'm one of the pastors here, although I'm not dressed like it, you may think, but uh, you will soon see here that I dress this way, well, honestly, if it was going to be 20 below or worse, I was going to wear just a big flannel, but it's in the minus teens, so that's nothing for us, right? <clears throat> Here at Maranatha, we value and we have sermons mainly that are preached consecutively through Scripture, through a book of the Bible. And this allows, and some people wonder, you know, why do we do that? Number one, this allows God to set the agenda. Because some churches, the pastors just kind of do topical sermons, whatever they feel like they want to preach. And often that preacher sets maybe pet subjects they enjoy talking about or appealing only to felt needs and trying to win a crowd where when we preach through 
the Word of God through a book of the Bible, this allows then us not to miss out what God wants for us. And it makes the pastor or the preacher not skip over difficult passages or offensive to our sin passages or maybe those less exciting, if there is such a thing, passages in Scripture. And we've done that as we've gone through James. Some of those were very difficult passages for us to hear and to memorize and to go through. Or as we did Christ in the Old Testament, going through Old Testament books that maybe you aren't familiar with or used to going through, such as Leviticus. Yet once in a while, we do here at Maranatha do different types of, you could say, topics, such as our Advent series. We did our Advent series, and for me, the main focus was that anticipation of Christ, but also it was teaching on the incarnation, the great theological truths found in the Old and New Testament on Christ. Or at the beginning of each year, if you kind of go through looking online, the first Sunday, usually the first Sunday or the first few Sundays, I focus on the importance of God's Word. We're evangelicals, we're crazy about the cross and crazy about the Word of God. And, and I love to kind of anchor us to remind us about the Word of God. And the last year, we, or two years ago, we spent a lot of time just talking about even getting a Bible plan for reading through each year or that year, what it's like. But today we're going to talk about how to walk with our Lord this year. And we're going to talk about drifting, dwelling, and delighting. I thought of getting a bunch of D's together there. And I've got my work clothes on here to, to remind you it's going to be a little work as we think through this. So let's begin with a word of prayer before we get into the Word of God. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And we do thank You for the, the feast that we have as we go through different passages as we go through different books of the Bible. I'm excited about our soon-to-be adventure going through the book of Mark, the Gospel, the good news according to Mark. And I thank you for this morning as we think about this new year, as we are, some of us, very glad that 2021 is done. We don't know all the particulars of what's coming before us. But there are things we truly, truly know. You will never leave us or forsake us. That is a guarantee for this coming year. You were the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is a guarantee that I know for sure for 2022. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would guide us this morning as we look at Scripture, a variety of passages here. Guide us, Lord, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Often, <clears throat> when I'm in Christian counseling with someone who is dealing with a marriage problem, I say Christian counseling because there's a variety of counseling methods out there. Often, when I'm in a short-term marriage counseling and I'm trying to just get information, sometimes they come with a large problem and they've got this big issue they're dealing with, a lot of times... The first time I meet with them, I like to just kind of get a little history of what's going on, how long has this problem been there, and for them, the main focus is, let's get rid of this big elephant in the room here, or whatever it is. 
But often I want to try to, you know, what's more going on in the background? And I, I like to ask a variety of questions during that time to get information and an understanding of their history. And often, and I, I see this as I learn not just about, let's say, the big issue. As I talk with them, I realize years and years they've been dealing with a problem that I'm going to call drifting. Slowly in their marriage, sometime, maybe it's, sometimes it's even within the first year. Or the first couple of years, they're all excited and then they begin to drift. There's this drifting that happens. And this may not be the major crisis at hand right there, but often this drifting apart contributes greatly to the problem at hand. They've been drifting in a variety of ways. The lack of personal commitment, complacency, and uninterested in the relationship causes this drift in the relationship. And as I sit there and listen to their stories or listen to what's going on, of course, they're, they're very concerned about the main issue at hand, which I am too. Often I'm thinking, why did you begin to drift? Why did you, you had this great relationship and then slowly eroding at your relationship is this drifting. Like a friend I had when I was in school. I had a best friend. How many had best friend? Maybe a few of you had many best friends. You have this best friend, and then you have these interests. You play together on the playground, or you're in the neighborhood, and you have things, but then you begin to drift. No longer are they your best friend. You get another best friend. Or imagine a young couple. They are excited to go on their first date, and their first date is excellent. Wonderful food, wonderful environment, and it's just exciting. they got so much to talk about. They have so much that they're connecting in. There's all these common things that they're talking about. And it's very fun, emotional. And then they leave and give them four weeks of nothing. No communication. No emails, no texting. Back in my day, no handwritten letters. How many of you ever wrote handwritten letters? Yeah, remember how we did that back in the day? Four weeks of nothing. They had one date, excited. Whoa, this is great. Four weeks of nothing. I can guarantee you they're going to drift. They just had that moment together. No time, no communication. They drift. Don't drift away in your relationship with God. Don't allow that to happen. I see that often with people. <clears throat> we at church get visitors, and if you're visiting today, great, I'm glad that you're here. But once in a while, we'll get someone who comes they're here, they're like, oh, this is great. I'm excited. And the first couple years, they're like, oh, that's awesome. They're going to be here forever. They're here for a couple months and they're gone. And I've learned, and this isn't always the case with everyone, but someone will come, they'll, they'll have an issue in their life, they'll come, they'll come to the Lord, or they'll, they'll get excited about an event. They're just like, this, oh, this is great. Or they'll go to some kind of Christian conference or something big, and they'll get all excited, but then they drift. We often fill our lives with clutter and slowly push God out of the way. We're like a new Christian who goes to an exciting Christian event, or I see this sometimes, and, and I know that our youth leaders and Tony sees it off, people go to districts and they get so excited. Districts is coming up next weekend and they're, they're all on fire for God. But then three, four months later, it's like, what happened? There's this drifting that occurs. 
all this emotion was there, but then it drifts away. Or at times we drift by not asking God what He wants from us because we think, tend to think that God is like a genie and exists for us. We do not come to God on our terms. We sometimes come to God in our terms. God, I want you to do this for me. And then, and then he doesn't seem to fulfill that. And then we drift. Jesus unmistakably has bold statements for those who claim to follow him. Listen to this out of Matthew 16.24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up the cross and follow me. Or out of Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jumping to verse 33, Luke 14, 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Christ is not Lord of all if he's not Lord at all. Christ is not just our Savior, he must be our Lord. Saying no, Lord, is a contradiction. And be very clear on this. Conditional discipleship is not biblical. And the lack of personal commitment, having complacency in your life, having no relationship, leads to this drifting apart. And I see this, you know, think about it. Think of friends that you maybe have that have gone through divorce or gone through a situation where they just slowly drift away. Think of Christians who are like that. They slow, they get all excited, but there's no true commitment, no connection, no relationship. But there's a remedy to this drifting. And it's dwelling. Here's the next D. Dwelling. Dwell, remain, abide. And I thought a lot about this when we were going through it. We have a Bible study on Wednesday nights. If you want to join us, Wednesday nights during the time that the kids are at Awana, not this Wednesday because I'll be sledding also. We have a Bible study here at church from 6.05 to 7.25. We're going through, each month we go through a different passage and we kind of work through how I study Scripture. This looks like a mess here, it kind of is. We circle words that repeat and often, listen to some of these words. This is John 15 starting with verse 4. Remain, or other Bible translations say abide, or other translations say dwell. So here's my word dwell. I'll use the word dwell here. Dwell, remain, abide. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must dwell, remain, abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain, dwell, abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains, dwells, abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And again, it shows up often this word. Dwell. The Bible gives us a few ways so we don't drift on how we can dwell, remain, and abide. And here in this passage here in John, he's got some great things. He talks about remain, obey, bear fruit, has joy, gives glory. There's some great ways to have this happen. We turn from drifting by dwelling like any relationship. And then we turn to the word delight. Just like in my relationship with my wife, when I saw her, I heard about her, she heard about me, and I was like, oh, okay. 
But at that time, I was like, no girls. No, I don't have time for girls, all right? But then that began to change. And then I was delighted with her. I got to hang out with her. We went on a date. Most of our time was spent dealing with the homeless down in Chicago on Sunday nights. And I was dwelling with her, seeing her. And then I started delighting her. I was like, she's amazing. Delight. And on the back, I was thinking of this. I wrote this down as we are going through this passage. I was like, dwell, dwell. And I was like, people drift. Don't drift, dwell. But how do we help get this dwelling by delighting, I thought of this. Two thoughts about delight, dwell, delighting. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this. Talking about behold the beauty of Christ. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or delight in or think upon the Lord's glory. We we have the beauty of God's glory. We are to delight in it and contemplate it. Are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We must behold the beauty of Christ. That's one way that we can remain, that we can dwell, is delight in the beauty of Christ. In our relationship, my wife and I, we delight in each other. When we were dating, we could have drifted at times, but we delighted, we enjoyed our company. We must behold the beauty of Christ what He's done for us, and He's coming back for us. There's so much that we can learn, and I'm excited to get into the Gospel of Mark and do that. The second part of delighting is Christ-likeness is our goal. Romans chapter 8, 29. Those whom God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. We are, our goal is to be more like Christ. And we must delight in that. My goal is to not to be more like Cody. My goal is to be more like Christ. For me to live is Christ. And we must delight in that. And we must bind ourselves to this loyalty and commitment to Christ and yield to Him and have a hunger for God. And let Him shape our lives to be more like Him. To be more mature. To be complete as we learned in James. So how do we do this? We shouldn't drift. Instead, we should dwell. And in that, we are to delight in that. So what are we to do? So I wrote down delightful disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are tools. In fact, um, tools. I thought about bringing a big tool belt but I didn't want to go in my garage last night. It was cold. I don't have a heated garage. I'm like, I'm not going to dig through the garage. Spiritual disciplines are like tools to help us abide and dwell, connect with Christ in a delightful way. As you abide in Him, you'll, in these spiritual disciplines, you'll begin to produce fruit. And it's important in the Christian life to have this spiritual, healthy life. Spiritual disciplines. Listen to this out of 1 Timothy, 1, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. We are to discipline ourselves 
for the purpose of God. We don't just discipline ourselves just to be disciplined. We do it for the purpose of godliness, to be more like Christ. If our purpose is godliness, then we must discipline ourselves to do that. And a way to dwell in Him is through spiritual disciplines. These are practical, very realistic ways to pursue dwelling with Christ. And they help us to be transformed to be more and more like Christ. So what I want to do for us is talk about how we can dwell more with Christ this coming year. Again, I don't know what this year is going to come for us. For some of us, 2021 was horrible. It was tough. 2022, we're like, oh, finally a better year. Well, we thought that when 2020 passed, right? Things we don't know, but there are certain things we truly do know about this coming year. God and His faithfulness. And I want to give you ten habits to help you walk with Christ this year. But before I do that, I'm going to give you a couple helpful books. I was going to grab some of them from my shelf. Half of them I don't have anymore because I've given them out. So here are these books. The first one, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. Get this book. Write it down. Get this book. It's a great, great book on these different disciplines we have to help us walk and be more transformed. It's, it's, it's the top book, one of the top books I know of by Donald Whitney. It's just it's so great. The next one, A Quest for Godliness. And this one, it's a big, thick, dense book. So if you don't like books that don't have pictures and stuff, then maybe pass on this one. But it's great. This one I devoured and just, I had to read it again, go slowly. Some of the great heroes of the Christian faith are the Puritans. And this, uh, Jay Packer goes through and just talks about the beauty of how they just had this devotion to God, this quest for godliness. And they're spiritual giants and we're these little dwarfs that, that don't get it, he talks about. And just, it, it's a great book. So it's a big, thick book, but I encourage you to get that book. Then the next one, this is my, people often ask me, what's, what's your favorite books on prayer? And I always go, well, the Bible. Well, they laugh, oh, of course, yeah. This one here, it's, it's, it's out of print, so it's hard to get. I don't, I don't have a copy again because I, I give it away whenever I get it. Seven Guides to Effective Prayer. If you want to learn about prayer, get this book. I checked, it's on eBay and other places use get this book it's not seven steps fold your hands next guide is close your eyes kneel it doesn't know it's seven different people who've gone before us who struggled with depression struggled with just major problems in their life and they didn't have doctors to go to they didn't have pros like they didn't have all they had was the bible george mueller hudson taylor Praying High, Charles Finney. These guys were just amazing. And, and there's a few women in there. Just seven guides, yeah, to effective prayer. Awesome. My favorite, one of my favorite books. Then this one, two, I got two specific ones here for men and for, for, for women. Here, Disciplines of a Godly Man. I have that. If you, if you want to get that or just take it off, I put it on my desk. Just swing by my desk, grab it, take it home. And the next one is for the ladies. They're a place of quiet rest. Both are, you could, you know, they're universal. So you can learn much if you, if you, wife gets that one, you can read A Quiet Place Rest. It's awesome also. So get those books. I encourage you, read a few books this year. Don't just kind of 
spend your time. In fact, I encourage you maybe get one of those apps on your phone. I don't even know what I'm talking about here, but you can get an app to tell you how much time you spend on Facebook or social media and just be like, wow, that's kind of shocking. You know, just cut down social media. Get a book. Read a book. You can read it online too. I guess you got those things you can scroll through. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, but paper's better. All right, let me begin now talking about these 10 habits that we would call, and I'm going to call them 10 spiritual disciplines. There's more than these. There's a variety of the way these are done. But let me give you these, again, this is going to help you so you don't drift in your relationship with God. Again, you can get all excited about God and go to an event and just be like, oh, God's great. But then people drift. These are 10 ways to help you so you don't drift. Number one, and of utmost importance, number one. This is place number one. The rest I have in a variety of ways. They're not like this is the best one and the number 10 is the worst one. But number one is number one. Reading the Bible. Read the Bible. I encourage you, go online. I was going to give you a couple examples, but there's a variety of ways. You can read through the Bible in a year. Do that. Go online. You just started. You're a little behind. You're two days behind, but it's okay. You can catch up pretty easily. Get a reading plan. Read through the Bible. No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. And that's a quote from Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian life. In fact, his first two chapters are called the intake of God's Word. Why? Because the Bible points to all the other spiritual disciplines. Also, you want to hear God's voice, here it is. Read His Word. Jesus read Scripture. Luke chapter 4 and John 14, 15. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. Three aspects of reading the Bible. First one is this, devotional reading. Devotional reading. Hearing God's voice through devotional reading. I encourage you, read the Psalms. What day of the uh, month is it? Whatever day that is, read that proverb. Do devotional reading. I encourage you, if you're a morning person, get up a little earlier. Soak in His Word. Get a coffee. Get a little corner somewhere in your house where you can just have the coffee going, drinking it, devotional reading. Maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe you're an evening person. Then everyone goes to bed. Then devotional reading. Just read through Scripture. Walk with Him. Talk with Him. Dwell with Him by abiding in the Word. There's devotional reading, then there's study. Bible study is a different discipline than devotional reading. The goal of studying the Bible deeply, like in my class that we're learning, is to learn and understand the truth that God reveals to us in a deeper way. And this gives us greater insight in our lives of what the Bible is communicating to us, and how to properly apply that and understand that. So study the Bible. Then also, Bible memory. Honestly, I feel kind of sad. I kind of was lame as a pastor. We were memorizing James. I got into James chapter 1, James chapter 2, and then I forgot to keep talking about Let's memorize James as a church, the whole book. And I kind of pittered out on that because things just got busy with me. Memorize the Word of God. Bible memory is so great because there's not always the time where you have the Bible with you. It's in your heart. 
And when the enemy comes, you can just claim a verse and destroy the enemy. That's what Jesus did. When he was tempted, he just used Scripture and just pummeled the enemy. Sometimes you feel like you're just being tossed about in a storm and the enemy's destroying you. Memorize God's Word. It's a sword. It's a weapon. And Bible memory is so good to even use it to help others. I do that often as a pastor. We had two funerals in the last couple of weeks, and I, I, I got a lot of Bible verses memorized so I can use those at a moment. So I can just, hey, here's a verse, and give it to the family that's struggling. Bible memory. So, reading the Bible. You want to walk close with God? Walk with Him through the Word. The second discipline, prayer. Again, each of these disciplines, some, in fact, when I first came here, we, I did a sermon series that took a year and a half called Evangelical Convictions. And we talked about some of these. We spent maybe a month or so just on the Word of God, just on prayer. So I'm not going to take much time here doing that. Go back online and look at those sermons. But prayer, very simple as this. Communication with God. Let me say this. Do you know how wonderful it is to have the ear of God? Tell you what, I've got a lot of issues in my life that I'm just trying to plan out, map out, sort through. I've got a lot of struggles in my life. I've got a lot of things I want to do. But I get the ear of the One who spoke and the world was created. I get the ear of the One who walked this earth and understands struggles yet without sin. It is a blessing to have God's ear in a time of prayer. Listen to this out of Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Follow his example. He often prayed, retreating, getting away, speaking with the Father. Prayer. Reading God's word, prayer. Let's jump to the next one. Fellowshipping, or I could have just put fellowship up there. Fellowshipping with other believers. This is a spiritual discipline. Jesus often lived in community as we will see in our upcoming study in the book of Mark. We're going to go through the book of Mark and there's a variety of ways we can look at Mark and one of the main ways we're going to do that is looking at discipleship. I'm going to call it with Christ in the school of discipleship. A study in Mark. Or I'm going to put, I'm going to, I might rename that with Christ in the school of lordship. A study of Mark. And we're going to see often that Jesus wanted to be with others in fellowship, in community. The kingdom of God was not just an invitation to get our relationship with God right and work on that. It's also an invitation for reconciliation and relationship with other believers. We are not meant to live this life alone. And we need each other. Tell you what, that goes against my American manhood. Like, oh, I'm an American man. I, I can do this on my own. That's the silliest thing in the world. You were not meant to live your life alone. We need each other. God redeems us into a body of Christian believers called the church. And we must gather together often and fellowship. It's important to make room 
in your life for other people. Don't drift away in relationships with other believers. Dwell and delight in that. And there are a number of ways we can turn and have fellowship with others. The obvious one is coming to church on Sunday. In fact, a couple days ago, I was like, man, 20 below, maybe even more than that with the wind chill. We might get to 30, 35 below. Oh, we're going to have a thin crowd, but that's okay. I'll show up if my truck goes. If not, I'll just find a way to get to church. But we got to be together. Joining together on our Sunday is so important. And I know that there are many that view stuff online because of sickness, COVID, but I encourage you, get together with other believers. Join in a study. Be intentional about relationships. Don't let them drift. Number four, solitude. Withdrawing from the world to spend time with God. Our world and daily life is so filled with constant busyness and distractions. It's hard to even maybe find 20 minutes just to spend alone. Just be quiet for 20 minutes in one day sometimes seems impossible, especially if you have little ones. We should set aside time during our day to be quiet and dwell with the Lord. Don't drift. But take time to say, I'm going to dwell with you, Lord. I'm going to remain. I'm going to abide with you and delight in you. Be strategic in this. Mark it on your phone, your calendar. Set a time aside. Otherwise, you'll get busy doing other things. Again, we learn, like in that Luke passage, Jesus often withdrew in solitude. Be strategic and intentional how you make room for the Holy Spirit in your life to work. It was common for Jesus to get away. Silence and solitude. They go together. Try to do that. Set that as a discipline. Number five, service. Supportive, loving action towards others. Service is very important. That's a big part of my life. I'm wired to do that. That's why I got my work clothes on today. My work boots. I love to serve. Listen to this out of Mark chapter 10. Can't wait to get to this one. We go through Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. We also are called to serve. We should serve the Lord because we want to obey Him. We are to look at our hands and say, what are ways we can serve? And I think this is one area that our church does a great job in serving our community, serving one another, caring for one another when there's needs that come up. Let's continue to do that. Let's, let's let this year be amazing. I remember last year we did um, serving the, the carnival workers. That was an awesome thing. People here making amazing meals. I'm like, what? I'm going to have these people make me breakfast all the time. It was just, and the carnival workers just were like, they were floored. And we didn't tell anyone about it. Then call the newspaper, hey, look what we're doing. Service. And love. Notice how we got supportive, loving action towards other. Love has to be the heart of service. Loving, caring for others. Number six, fasting. 
fasting. Throughout church history, and even throughout Old and New Testament, we see fasting is one of the disciplines that people follow. And, and Jesus fasted also. Typically, fasting is denying ourselves food in order to focus our attention on prayer and other spiritual insight and disciplines and interests. So I just wrote simply down, abstaining from things that may distract you from pursuing the Lord. Often I don't fast, but I, I, I try to fast once a week in a variety of ways, and I try not to make it public. I'm fasting, sorry, you guys go have fun at Famous Dave's. I'm just going to sulk here. No, no, it's not like that. But I like to take time where I just get rid of all the stuff that can distract me. Not that food distracts me, but I like it when I start getting hungry. Man, I'm hungry. Oh, but do I hunger for you, Lord, like this? Food says, I need food to sustain me. And when I don't have food, I realize, oh, you're the one that says, I need you to sustain me. Food is not the only thing we can fast from. I would encourage you to fast from social media or other things that may distract you from pursuing the Lord. Because we can get so busy with other things, we forget the Lord, and that causes us to drift. Even I'll even say this, even in my relationship with my wife. Some of you who know my wife and I, you might even scratch your head and go, how did these two people get together? We are so different. I'm this big outdoorsy guy. She's not here. She'll come second service. She can see how I'm dressed. She can be like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. She dresses very fine and nice and beautiful. I just dress like a bum. When I see a mountain, I want every time I see a mountain in a movie or in a picture, what route to take to get to the top. She's, she thinks, where can I put the lawn chair and just sit and look at the beautiful mountain and not die on it? But I've got to be careful in our relationship that we don't drift because my interests, I can get so caught up in doing my hobbies, doing my interests, getting so caught up in stuff that she's like, I would never do that. In fact, this is weird. I was watching a movie that had a certain gun. I was like, I own that gun. So I went and got the gun. I'm not a weirdo. Maybe I am a weirdo. But it's like, oh, that's cool. You want to hold it? She's like, no. We're very different. But I got to make sure that our differences don't cause us to drift. In this, fasting helps you focus on the Lord. Because so many things can get in the way. Social media, other things that distract you from pursuing the Lord. Keep your interest set on Him. Number seven, stewardship. Being intentional, strategic, and generous about how you give and use your resources. I think I have that up there. Yes, okay. Or look at it this way. God is the ultimate owner of everything. Don't have my wallet on me. God owns your wallet. Your car is really not your car. He is the owner of all things, and He has designed it so you are the manager of His stuff. All the stuff that you have is really a way that God has blessed you so you can manage it to serve Him and serve others. When it comes to generosity as a discipline, be regular in it. Be intentional in giving. That's the key. This includes the right use of your time. Because you've been allotted a certain amount of time. 
Be very strategic with the stewardship of your time. Also with your money, honor God in what He has given you. And it's different even for us here at church. We used to hand around the offering plate. We don't do that now because if, you know, you get a little kid that's been picking his nose and got a lot of germs stuff, grabs the plate, hands it to you, you might get those germs too. And just, so now we've got an offering back there. So things are different in giving that we do here at church. I encourage you, be consistent in your giving because God has blessed you to be a manager of what is ultimately His. Number eight, celebration. Now there's like, I mean, I came up with a list of 20-some different spiritual disciplines. And I was like, let's do the popular ones, but let me pull out a couple that sometimes people don't think about. Taking joy in what God has done and letting others know. This is something we should be about. In the Old Testament, it's very quick you'll realize that God would often say, celebrate. Look what I have done, now celebrate that. He encouraged regular festivals to commemorate His goodness, faithfulness, and provision. Celebrate what God has done. Christians should be known for their joy, not their mm, grumpiness. Grumpiness is not a spiritual gift or a fruit. Joy is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering. Joy is right at the top of the list there. We should be known for our joy. Celebrate often the goodness of God in your life. And I encourage you, grandparents. Kids are out of the nest. You get that little moment where you're like, oh, a reprieve. Or maybe not. Then grandkids come along. Oh, I encourage you. Be very intentional with your grandkids. Pass on that godly heritage. Read that book, A Quest for Godliness by J.I. Packer. Pass on that godly heritage that you have and let the kids know when God did amazing things in your life when you were young. Grandpa's pretty old in their eyes, but when I was young, you can tell the story of God's faithfulness, His goodness, and His provision. They need to know that. And that's what the Old Testament was about. Tell the kids. Let them know. Remind them so when hard times come, they go, you know what? This looks pretty bad, but God saved Grandpa in a mighty way. He can surely save me. Pass that on. Celebrate. Worship. Number nine. Then we spent, I think almost two months, years ago, talking about the biblical Christian understanding of worship. So I looked at a lot of those notes, and I just pulled off one sentence here. Giving God glory through attitudes and actions involving our total being, having total devotion. Worship. Attitudes and action. Worship is not just worship in song or a style of worship. Worship primarily, number one, is the subject of worship. God. Giving glory through our attitudes and actions involving our total being, having total devotion. Thought of this verse out of 1 Corinthians 14. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Our church is all about worship. Not style of worship, but subject of worship. Worship. Now the last one. 
And the last one, I, I put this here for a reason, because some of you might be going, look at all these things i got to do now. Now it's a burden. Man, i got to have 20 minutes of private time, devotion time. I can't even have 20 seconds to think. I can't memorize Scripture. Oh, man, fasting? Oh, oh I just, I'm going to fail. Simplicity. There's a strong cultural pull for us to do as much as you can or you're a failure. Get as much done as you can. Oh, make your New Year's Eve commitments or get them all lined up and guess what? In a week you're going to be a failure no matter what, right? Remember, true success is faithfulness. True success is simple faithfulness to God. Not all these things, not all these burdens we've got to put on, then that turns to legalism, all these issues that we've got. True success as a Christian is just being faithful to God. Dwell with Him. Delight in Him. In fact, you may find this interesting. I remember when I was interviewing to take this position at the church met with the different committees and people and elders and all that stuff. They asked me a bunch of questions, but I had twice as many questions for them. Here was one of my questions. I gave, in fact, I think I did this for the elders, or maybe it was the nominating committee. I'm not sure who I did it with. Gave everyone a piece of paper and said, can you write down your definition of success for me? Because I wanted to make sure, if everyone wrote back saying, in three months, you must have 1,700 people at our church. That's success. I would have said, oh, you got the wrong guy. They said, well, success is this. Gratefully, most of them put something like this, just being faithful to God. I was like, okay, I can. True success is simple faithfulness. If you want to walk close with Christ this year, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek God's kingdom first. Seek His kingdom first. Very simple. Seek the kingdom of God. Maybe this means you are to narrow all these ten daunting. All the giants can do it, but I can't do it. Maybe you need to just simplify all this and narrow it down just to maybe three of the disciplines. You know, this year I'm going to focus on three of them. Celebration, because I can do that. Maybe you think you can, but when you get caught up into the beauty of Christ, you realize celebration transforms your life, and there's so much there. So simplify it to maybe just three. And this may help you make these practices seem possible. And you may fail. Confess it to the Lord. Then carry on the disciplines in a fresh way, just like you did before. Keep it simple. And simplify your life. I have a book on my shelf. I think I still have it. Maybe I gave it away. It's called The Freedom of Simplicity. Talked about living simple lives. And I thought of simplicity as a discipline. Keep it very simple. I know this could be daunting, but God gave us these disciplines for the purpose of not failure, not so you can look all shiny and you know, squeaky clean in front of everyone. It's just for the purpose of godliness. So you don't drift. So you can dwell with Him and delight in Him. 
So let me close with this. Our goal is conforming to the likeness of Christ and a delightful dwelling with Him this year. Don't drift. Keep that relationship. And I've given you ten. There's more. I could give you a lot more. But these are just ten simple things you can do to make sure you don't drift in your relationship. Just like my wife and I have to be very intentional because I can get caught up in all my stuff and she's like, that's just weird stuff. And then she can get caught up. She likes the British baking show. And I'm just like, who would watch that? Put the subtitles on. I can't understand what they're saying. And she's like, rolls her eyes at me. We're so different. I've got to make sure those differences don't cause us to drift. Dwell. And with the Lord... The world wants to pull you away. Get your arms so full of stuff that you forget the beauty of what God has in the simplicity of His goodness and His faithfulness to us. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that You help us. These do seem kind of daunting. And and for some of us, we're like, yeah, I know these. I've heard about these before. But the reality is, it's easy for us to drift in our relationship with You. And I pray that You would help us. Maybe find three of these. These are the three main ones I want to do. And help us, teach us, equip us, fill us with Your Spirit so we can learn and be disciplined and walk closer. May This year, as we just, man, it seems like every year is going to be just something unique and hard for us. But we truly know that the promises of God are real. And this year, we want to walk with you. We want to talk with you. We have the ear of God. And you own all things. You've blessed us to be managers, stewards of the things you've given us so we can bless others. Help us celebrate You. Not just here at church, but celebrate Your goodness to people who don't know You. I think of Friday night, I was with a group of people that don't know You, and I was like, I'm going to celebrate. Say a couple things to them to remind them of God's goodness. Help us do that, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs. Oceans in his hands. Who has now?
seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us
just want to touch your heart, Lord, touch your heart. excited. seemed like we had a lot of interest, that we enjoyed the outdoors and stuff, and then she went to college. And I got a job at a paper factory. We began to drift. We'd write letters once in a while, but then we just started, kind of stopped writing letters. It was harder back then. Trust me, kids. And then she was into missions. I'm like, I'm never going to go on the mission field. She's like, I want to do missions. I'm like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. We kind of drifted apart, and then the relationship ended. Gratefully, because then I met Amber. Ironically, I'm the one that's been over 10 different countries. I don't think she's gone on one missions trip. But we drifted, which happens. Don't drift in your relationship with God. Dwell with Him. Delight in Him. Let me send you off with this passage here. I won't read the whole chapter. Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. They do no wrong. They follow His ways. You have laid down your precepts that are be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying Your decrees. That's, that's my heart. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying Your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all Your commands. I will praise You with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Walk with Him this year. Talk with Him. Dwell with Him. Celebrate Him here. And celebrate Him as you leave. God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. See you later.